Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Now, would you uh, take your Bible or your Bible app and turn to Acts chapter 18 this morning? Acts chapter 18. A lot of people in our church are using Bible apps on their cell phones these days. And uh, the one that we often recommend to our people is called YouVersion. And uh, we use it here at the gathering because we can add our... Uh, the speakers who speak on Sunday can add their sermon notes to the outline uh, that's on version there, along with the scriptures that we use. You can download version off of your favorite app store, Apple or Android, and this is what the icon looks like. It's on the screen for you. And once you download that app, uh, you go to the menu, and you find events, and then you can discover or do a search for the Gathering Windsor, Ontario, and it should pop up on your screen. And once you have it, once you start using it, you can follow along with the sermon outline, you can read the scripture references, you can even take notes on that particular Sunday and then save it uh, so you have them. It's really very, very convenient. And less and less people are using paper sermon outlines and more and more people are using the apps. Uh, So certainly uh, one or the other is a good idea. Acts chapter 18 this morning. Last week, Pastor Phil was teaching from Acts chapter 17. And there we found the Apostle Paul declaring the gospel in the streets of Athens and defending the gospel in the Areopagus. Remember, he said some mocked him and some were curious about about what Paul was saying and some even trusted in Jesus. Paul seems to have left the city of Athens rather abruptly And heads for the city of Corinth. And that's where we pick up uh, the story today. Acts chapter 18 verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, who's the Roman emperor, had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And Paul went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads, I am innocent." From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid. But go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And I think we're going to stop reading right there. Two weeks ago on a Monday, I found a picture of a guy who looks like he's in his 80s. 
at least in his 80s. Wouldn't you say? He looks to be about 80 or more. And beside the, beside the photo, beside the photo is a caption that says, Who said ministry was stressful? I'm 35 and I feel great. Now, anybody who knows anything about church ministry laughs at this because the joke highlights the truth. <laughs> the gospel ministry can be stressful, and it, it, it puts years on you really fast. <laughs> and not only for pastors, and not only for missionaries, but for, for anybody who is engaged in making disciples. I mean, this is tough work. It's, it, it can be very difficult and very challenging. If you're involved somehow in making disciples, whether it's the littlest disciples uh, in our kids' gathering, or maybe you lead a small group, or maybe you share the gospel downtown on the street, if you're involved in making disciples, you know how stressful this can be, and how demanding and how challenging it is. So Acts chapter 17 ends with the people of Athens actually mocking Paul and mocking the resurrection. Phil talked about that last week. Powerful message. Tremendous challenge to all of us. But as a result of the sort of the disappointing results in, in Athens, Paul is eager to get out of Athens, and so he leaves. Uh, so eager, in fact, that he leaves Silas and Timothy, his co-workers, behind in Athens. But he walks the 50 miles from Athens to Corinth. No doubt a little disappointed and a little discouraged. Uh, ministry in Athens was tough. It was a city full of idols. The, the spiritual darkness and spiritual oppression was palpable. They even mocked the resurrection of Jesus. How hard that must have been for Paul. But Corinth brings new opportunities and new prospects for gospel ministry. When he gets to Corinth, things happen. And it's here in Corinth that the Lord Jesus actually rejuvenates uh, this servant, Paul, who's, who comes to the city wounded and weary from all of the, the hard work in Athens. Jesus rejuvenates him. He's good at that, isn't he? Jesus is good at, at re bringing refreshment and rejuvenation to those of us who are wounded and weary. That's what God does. He rejuvenates his wounded and weary servants. First of all, God provided co-workers for Paul. Paul is refreshed by the friends that he finds here in the city of Corinth. Uh, back to verse 1 of, eight, of uh, chapter 18. Paul left Athens, went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And so scholars believe that there was an, uh, an anti-Semitic stir that took place in Rome, and that's what caused Claudius to, to expel all the Jews from the city of Rome. And, and this dynamic Jewish couple, Aquila and Priscilla, was forced to move their tent-making ministry to Corinth. Now, they had both come to faith in Jesus Christ at some point in time, and they became friends of the Apostle Paul. In the, in the final chapter of the book of Romans, 
Paul calls Priscilla and Aquila his fellow workers in Christ Jesus, uh, saying that they, they risk their lives for him. Verse 3 of chapter 16. And so they were, they were faithful friends and they were, they were committed co-workers of the Apostle Paul. And, and everybody needs friends like that, right? We, we, we all need friends like that. You and I need people that we can count on 24-7. For heaven's sake, we, we might even pray that there would be people out there who would be so committed and devoted to us that they would take risks also on our behalf. But in order to have friends like that, you have to be a friend like that, right? So therein lies the challenge for all of us. In Acts chapter 18, 5, Silas and Timothy joined their friend Paul in Corinth. They too were in Athens. Now they've traveled to Corinth to be with Paul. So now, has, now Paul has Aquila and Priscilla and Silas and Timothy. He's got four co-workers who are going to stand with him in the gospel ministry in Corinth. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times to my wife. If my wife and my kids are behind me and the elders are behind me, whatever we do in the church, bring it on. You know, you can, you can face just about anything if you know you've got people standing with you, right? If you've got those kind of co-workers or those kind of friends, you can do just about anything. If your family's behind you and, and your co-workers are with you, bring it on. We'll face any challenge, any opposition together in the name of Jesus. So after Silas and Timothy come down from Macedonia, then Paul spends all of his time preaching and teaching. Previously, he was making tents with Priscilla and Aquila. But Silas and Timothy come with this offering. They bring a missionary offering, which allows Paul now to to put tent making aside and give all of his time and energy to preaching the word. He suffered a terrible beating in Philippi, rejection in Thessalonica and Berea, and, and mocking in Athens. But here in Corinth, the Lord Jesus begins to rejuvenate his servant Uh, And he does not leave us alone in our misery and our misunderstanding. He brings people to us who can help us and to to encourage us and and motivate us and inspire us. That's what he did for Paul. And quite honestly, that's what he did for, for me. A little more than five years ago, Patty and I started a Bible study on Saturday night in our house in South Windsor, which became the genesis for this church, for the gathering. And out of that original ragtag bag of discouraged and disheartened people, God provided us with four couples who formed an impenetrable circle of love around us. And that's what got us through those days. One of those guys used to wake up in the middle of the night and pray for me. Frequently in those days, he would tell me that God woke him up in the middle of the night just to pray for me. Right when you need them, at just the right time, God brings people into your life. Isn't that right, Eva? He brings people into your life to encourage you and stimulate you and motivate you 
and give you courage. Well, I thought that was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is, but he often uses people with real skin. So God provided co-workers for the Apostle Paul, but he also provided some fruit. Have a look at verse 8. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. (laughs) So even though Paul had more significant opposition in Corinth, God also provided fruit to encourage his heart, encourage his soul. He poured himself into his work. He gave all he could. He was tired and wounded when he arrived in Corinth, and he didn't even know it, but there was more opposition to come. Look at verse 12, Acts 18, 12. The Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, this man is is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. So even the Jews at Corinth were opposed to this guy. I mean, he's got it in Thessalonica, and he's had it in Berea, and then he goes to Athens, and they mock him and make fun of the resurrection, and then he goes to Corinth, and all of a sudden he's encouraged with Aquila and Priscilla, but still there's more opposition. That ought to tell us something. Folks, that ought to tell us something, that every time you make an advance for the gospel, there's opposition waiting around the corner to discourage you and bring you down. The Jews conspired against him, just hoping that he would quit this nonsense and stop talking about Jesus, quit stirring up the crowds. But God encouraged him with some good results. Back to verse 8. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believes in Jesus together with his whole house and many of the Corinthians. doesn't tell us how many, but many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. I mean, the ruler of the synagogue the CEO of the place, the president of the Jewish religious club, comes to faith in Jesus. Imagine how significant that, that turn of events was. I mean, this guy had an impact. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's got impact. He's got influence with other people. And Jesus draws him. And gives him the gift of repentance. And gives him the gift of faith. And by the grace of God. Through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Crispus comes to faith. That's that's powerful. That's got to be encouraging for Paul. That's fruit. From his ministry. And and many of the Corinthians. who, Who had heard Paul teach the word of God. Also believed and were baptized. How exciting is that? Oh. Patty and I had a family over to our home last night. They wanted to talk about being baptized. I said, well, tell us your story. Do you know Jesus? And we listened. Tears rimming our eyes. It was pretty exciting, <laughs> to say the least. Fruit. Fruit. From the ministry that God has given to the gathering. It all started in their family with surge camp. Which led to a conversion. A couple months later. 
which led to mom starting to come to church, which led to her conversion and her trust in Jesus, which now led to last night to a meeting about water baptism. Because baptism is a declaration that we belong to Jesus. And that's what they want. They want to make a declaration. We now belong to Jesus. It's got to be encouraging. You ought to be encouraged by that. Are you encouraged by that? Look to the person beside you and say, I'm encouraged by that. Okay, we're encouraged. You see, and it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in that first year or so, Patty and I looked at each other and said, this is, this is too hard. Are, 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 are we sure we want to go down this road? We've never planted a church before. We haven't got a clue what we're doing. I mean, I was a zero with the rim off when it comes to knowing anything about church planting. Are we sure we want to go down this road? I said I wasn't sure. She said she wasn't sure. But Jesus said, I am sure. You are going down this road. So here we are. It's too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. You don't get to see the fruit if you quit too soon. And I I know that some of you have people in your family who don't know Jesus. They, they don't love Jesus. I, I know that, and that's, that's hard. And, and I know that some of your workmates and some of your classmates uh, don't follow Jesus. They, they, have, they have no interest in Jesus. You've tried to open the conversation uh, about Jesus with, with some of your workmates, and they want nothing to do with it. Don't talk to me about that Jesus stuff. And, and a few of your friends may even mock you because you're a Christian. They mock you because you go to church. But don't quit. Don't go silent. Keep on speaking. Keep on sharing. Keep on telling people about Jesus. The story we heard last night of the incremental steps toward faith in Jesus Christ was remarkable. Started in their home country many, many years ago when people dared, dared to talk about Jesus in a Muslim country. So you just never know. You just never know. Mary Beth was telling us a story this morning. Their daughter, Milana, responding to the challenge that Pastor Phil gave last week, went to school and shared Jesus with one of her classmates. Said to her, you know what? You should come to church with me. Why would I want to go to church? Because of Jesus. So what about Jesus? So she gave her the gospel. Came home and told mom that she had had a chance to share Jesus with one of her classmates. Said to mom, have you done that yet this week, mom? (laughs) God is at work in this church. There's no doubt about it. You can't give up sharing Jesus. I have a friend at the gym whose name is Ken. And God just put us together yesterday, and Ken's, Ken, Ken's language turns the air blue. Let me just put it that way. And we got talking, and he said, you know, he's complaining about Trump, and he's complaining about Trudeau, and he's complaining about, about everything. He's complaining about the gym and how hot it is in the sauna, and, you know, on and on and on it goes. <laughs> Oh, you idiot, if you don't like the heat, get out. 
But he's just going on and on and on. I said, Ken, man, the world is so broken, isn't it? Oh, blankety, blank, blank, broken. And so that's kind of how the conversation went. And I, I thought, oh, man, I, I, I don't like listening to this language. Uh, but I stuck with it. And um, he said, I, I, I don't know what's wrong with people. I said, I do. He said, you do? How the blankety blank do you know? I said, well, Ken, very simply, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The problem, the problem is sin. Our own selfishness, our own sinfulness, our own... We, we create our own brokenness. You know, God didn't break us. We broke ourselves. But his original design was... I mean, it, it's a perfect design. It's a wonderful design. God, God designed us to worship him and, and fellowship with him and to know him and to walk with him every day. He, and he says to me, well, I, I believe in God. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> so we had an amazing conversation. I got, to, I got to share the whole gospel story with Ken. It's always too soon to quit. You will experience fruit if you don't quit. You, you will see it. You, you might not be able to be the one who's going to pick the fruit off the tree. That takes time. Fruit takes time to ripen. We used to have an apple tree, and I'd, I'd get out there and pull the green apples off they tasted terrible but i was so anxious to you know to 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 taste these apples you you have to wait for the fruit to ripen and if you're wait and you're you you're patient and you 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 keep on being faithful and you keep trusting the lord and you keep speaking for jesus and you keep sharing your own love for god and how god worked in, in your life you'll see fruit you you will you'll see fruit there was this tremendous opposition. I want to take you now to, to part of Paul's testimony as it appears in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where, where he says, he had, been, he had been whipped times without number. He faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes. So he's physically whipped five times, 39 lashes with a leather whip. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've, I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm I would have packed my bags long before that I would have quit long before that probably you too but he keeps going you have to keep going in order to see the fruit I don't know about you folks but I'm in this for a long time not a good time are you in? are you with me? So we keep going. We keep pressing on. We keep pressing in. We keep leaning in to what God has called us to do. Nothing could stop Paul from sharing the love of Jesus. And we need to do the same. We need to keep on. My friends, as you and I persevere by the grace of God, as we press ahead and share the love of Jesus with our friends and family and co-workers and fellow students, we will see fruit. We will see it. You just wait for it. I mean, after... There are so many stories... But after many weeks of learning and sharing and reading and praying together 
in one of our women's small groups, a young mom in our church put her trust in Jesus. So it's happening in small group ministries. It's happening in surge camp. It's happening uh, across the back fence as you talk with your, your neighbors. That's the kind of fruit I'm talking about. And in the providence of God, you will see more fruit in the days ahead. You will. You'll grow in grace yourself, and, and others will come to know Jesus Christ because of you. Because of you, others will come to know the Savior. Because of you, and because of the, the mighty work of God in your life. Romans eight eleven says, The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. Amen. <gasps> what? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me? Doesn't that give you chills up your spine and back down again to the bottom of your big toe? That just thrills me beyond measure to know that the the power of God is at work in me. Bring it on. I'm ready. I can face anything with that. Paul walked the 50 miles from Athens to Corinth feeling dejected and discouraged and disheartened because of the the lack of fruit and the, 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 the mixed results in Athens. He left with people mocking the resurrection. But in Corinth, new opportunities, new prospects for the gospel ministry. And it was here that God provided co-workers for Paul. And it was here that God provided spiritual fruit. And it was also here that God provided backup. Now, I probably could have found a better word, but I like backup. I need backup. I got your back. Backup, fortification for the soul. That's what God provided for him. Good friends and good results can go a long way in rejuvenating rejuvenating your heart and soul when you're weary and discouraged, but nothing, nothing compares to the presence and power uh, and promise of God. Nothing compares to that. You look at verse 9 of Acts chapter 18. The Lord says to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. <laughs> so in the, in the midst of the discouragement. In the midst of it all. God appears to him one night in a vision. Bearing words of encouragement. Don't be afraid Paul. I've got your back. I'm with you. The sovereign God of the universe is for you. guy by the name of Mike Davis is known as the world's worst boss. Wouldn't, wouldn't you hate to have that tag? The world's worst boss. Davis started his career as a chauffeur, but apparently made millions in oil and gas. And he also, along the way, earned the reputation as being the world's worst boss or the world's grumpiest boss. Throughout his career, he, he regularly issued very discouraging memos to his to his staff. In fact, a few years ago, he sent the following memo to his employees. Idle conversation and gossip in this office among employees will result in immediate termination. And then in capital letters, do your jobs and keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Month later, 
He banned all office birthday parties. There will be no more birthday parties, no more birthday cakes, no more celebrations of any kind in this office. This is a business office. If you want to celebrate, do it after office hours on your own time. And every employee in that company was afraid of Mike Davis, the world's grumpiest boss. I would be too. But listen, people in the workplace, you included, people in the workplace, people in the marketplace need encouragement. (laughs) They need inspiration. Yeah, they're there to earn a salary, but they're also there to advance your company or, or help whatever organization do whatever it does. You have to believe that most people are there because they want to be there and they want to make a difference. And people in the workplace need encouragement. They need inspiration. You need the assurance that your your boss is behind you, right? You need to know that your boss has got your back. And in the same way, we need the assurance that the King of Kings is with us, that he, he, he is for us, that he's in our corner, that he's, he's cheering us on the sidelines, and we are not alone. We need that assurance, don't we? And here it is. Here it is. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Mary Beth gave us a number of scriptures this morning in the midst of worship that talked about that. God is with us. You don't have to be afraid. Not now, not ever. Just trust in him. That's what we need. That's the promise that rejuvenates the weary and the wounded. When we feel the unrelenting persistence of evil, when we see the forces of darkness are sending reinforcements to to defeat us, when we feel that our finest hour is about to give way to our lowest, when we feel that all the odds are against us and there's nobody there to help us, Jesus comes and says, do not be afraid. I am with you. There's no greater promise than that. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God rejuvenates his servants, people like you and me who are given to making disciples because he knows how strenuous and how difficult it can be at times. By providing friends and co-workers who come alongside of us and help carry the load. By, by providing spiritual fruit and actually allowing us from time to time to see the fruit of our labor. Thank you, Jesus. And, and by providing the kind of backup that gives us strength and stamina to go on. Thanks be to God. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your grace and favor. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would encourage the hearts of those in our midst who are discouraged, disheartened, alienated, people perhaps who've been been hurt in a a former relationship or a different church, and people who are, are downtrodden at work, students here this morning who are struggling because of some nasty relationships on campus. We pray, oh God, that you would encourage, rejuvenate us as we serve you so that we can be even more effective in the days ahead for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.